Good morning, church. Get your Bibles out. Yes. I mean, it certainly is. While they flick my um, slides on. Let's hope it all works. Just, um, oh, I'm loud on there. Just to start with, can I really encourage you <clears throat> to come next week? Um, Dave Watt was due to share uh, this morning, and he had a family commitment, so we moved some things around. And, and, and what was really on his heart, has been on his heart for quite some time, is spiritual warfare. So we got really excited. Hold on, just take this mic down a, a second. <clears throat> Here we go. Thank you. I thought... We wouldn't all have to enjoy that. Um, and um, so we got quite excited. It's Remembrance Sunday, spiritual warfare. We got the Sunday evening service on, and we, we've been focusing on spiritual warfare. And that thought, oh, wow, the Lord is moving. And then um, we've just had to move some things around. So I won't be speaking on spiritual warfare this morning although it will touch upon it, because that's been really on David's heart. And then this evening, though, we're going to continue. For the last three months, we've been really focusing on, on that spiritual warfare and doing battle. And three months ago, we just focused it around our song, and we sang those triumphant songs that really sought to push the enemy back. And then last month, we did prophetic acts, and Julia had brought a prophecy that a church had had that talked about you know, we just see things as waving flags or clapping hands or stamping feet. But you know how it sees in the spiritual realm? It talks about the clapping hands being like a thunderclap that pushes back the enemy. Or the stamping of feet lets him know, shakes his, his, his own throne room and lets him know that God's people are coming. We were moving around. I don't know if I'm selling this at all, but we were clapping our hands and stamping our feet. And what broke it is all of a sudden... Chris Cave just gets hold of it and he just starts walking around the room stamping his feet and clapping his hands and it broke something. And then God talked about us being warriors and we had our shields and our spears and you had to be there. <laughs> Trust me. But there was just something of God. And then all week, Julie's just been praying, so we're going to continue it. And we're going to have a time of worship, and then we're going to do battle in our prayer. And we're going to really have a focused time of prayer as we seek to push the enemy back. Amen? So that's tonight, and next week David will be speaking on spiritual warfare. Will you turn with me uh, to 1 John, chapter 2, and we'll come to that in just a moment. We're living, aren't we, in, well, I feel, in unusual times for the gospel our beliefs, our traditions, our practices that were once held as central to the way society worked are now seen as outdated, old-fashioned, naive, unscientific, with an unhealthy focus on myths and fairy tales. We are certainly living in interesting times. We are bombarded with information. We are bombarded with people's opinions, ideas, beliefs every single day. For many of us, the first few things we reach out to in the morning are our phones, our news apps, our WhatsApp, our Facebook. Information, information, information. We are bombarded by it. We have to accept that with this bombardment, it will have an effect on how we see life. On how we do life. And we have to realise what are those things that we are being influenced by that are not of God. Because we want to be influenced by the very heart of God. 
But we are being bombarded. Never has it been so easy to create a web page where I can share my opinion that you all want to know and hear about. Will you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2? And just quietly, before we read it together, because you've all got different versions, would you read in your own Bible verses 15 to 17? 1 John 2, 15 to 17. As you will know, those who are here, often I'm reading from the New King James. 1 John 2, 15 to 17 says this, Do not love the world, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. God bless the reading of his word. John is not talking about the globe here, the earth. He's not saying that the physical earth do not love that, nor is he talking about humanity. Do not love humanity. That would be against God's very nature. John 3.16 tells us that. He is talking about a world system that at its core is anti-God. That at its very core is anti-God. When I would spend time too infrequently with Peter Hacker, he would say to me, Ben, ultimately Everything is spiritual. And I'd think about that as I'm not sure I, I thought about it and I'd ponder it. And I'd, uh, yeah, okay, okay. Everything is spiritual. Everything comes down to that. Turn with me now to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Say amen when you've got there. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. And just read it in your own translation before we read it out together. I want you to interact with your Bible. Amen. One Peter five eight nine says this: Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We need to remember that the devil is relentless in his mission to devour those who follow Jesus. People, Peter implores us to be clear-headed, be sober-minded. Don't, don't get foggy-minded. Don't get pulled about by all different things. Be clear-minded. Be vigilant. Be watchful. Be watchful because he is around. And sometimes it feels like we forget that. Because talking about those things is that sticky, awkward place of myths and the unseen. 
And actually, the world doesn't really know what it thinks about that. It doesn't mind watching films. Most films that we watch now talk about magic and fantasy and all sorts of stuff. But it stays over there. And it seeks to be something of myth and the unbelief. But actually, the Bible teaches that these things are very real. There is a devil. We love the heaven. We love the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and the new earth. There'll be no more tears and no more pain. We go, Amen. There's also a hell where there'll be everlasting torment and gnashing of teeth. But we don't like talking about that. So we stick to the sweet stuff. And the devil says, keep on. Please don't forget that Satan is out there and he ain't no myth. Nor is he a baddie in a fairy tale. He is very real and very active. He comes as an angel of light just as much as he comes as a roaring lion. But being no doubt, his ultimate goal is to devour you. We're remembering men and women who fought for something bigger than themselves. Absolutely am I going to take every opportunity today of all days to remind us that there is a spiritual battle that is going on. And the enemy is after your very soul. He is seeking to devour you. He is prowling around, looking for chinks in your armor, looking for where he can get in, looking for where he can accuse you. Sometimes he comes as a wonderful angel of light. Look what Spurgeon has to say. He isn't just looking to lick or nibble on his prey. He wants to devour. He can never be content till he sees the believer utterly devoured. He would rend him in pieces and break his bones and utterly destroy him if he could. Do not therefore indulge the thought that the main purpose of Satan is to make you miserable. He is pleased with that, but that is not the ultimate end. Sometimes he may even make you happy, for he hath danger. Dainty, dainty poison, sweet to taste, which he administers to God's people. If he feels that our destruction can be more readily achieved by sweets than by beaters, he certainly would prefer that which would best effect his end. We live in a world where pleasure is key, where how I feel and happiness is the ultimate goal and the new freedom is no longer in Christ but in the ability to choose how I want to live and ordain our life. It is no choice for the Christian. It is no option. I suppose it's an option to enter in. But there is one way for us to live and one way to order our lives and we come under his commandments I would be judged by God. I will be judged by God. But even more so, if we only talked about the stuff that makes us feel good and fluffy, there is difficult things in the Word of God that I'd rather not talk about. But who would I be as a minister of God's Word if we didn't from time to time? It's real. The enemy is out there to devour you. And today, it's about building spiritual muscle against that. Do not love... We did that one. Oh, has it gone again? Oh. The world wants you to love it. And this love is expressed often in time, attention, 
and money. Satan is working hard to ensure we give our time, our attention and our money to the things of this world and not to the things of God. The world buys our love with great things. Cars, homes, gadgets, stasis, prestige, honour, comfort. The world system knows how to reward those who love it. Right now we're thinking about whether or not that's us. Is that me? I've got a nice home. I've got a fancy car. I don't know, but think hard. Think of your standard for success. And would you say it's worldly or godly? Think of your standard for what makes a person attractive. Is it worldly or is it godly? Think of your standard for spirituality. Is it worldly? Is it godly? Do you know what's interesting? Success actually in, in the world is marked by what you can do. We're seeing, actually I thought it was going to grow much quicker, but it slowed down again. We're seeing now leaders honoured for their achievements and their character is, comes secondary. It doesn't matter how they've lived their lives. It actually comes down to what they can do and whether they can make it, whether they can transform a company. Do you know what God's standard? God's standard for success is what your character is like. The world's standard for success is what you can do and achieve and give me. It doesn't matter if you can take a bottom of the premiership club to winning the premiership in one season unless you can do it again and again and again and again and again and six months after the chap of Leicester had done that he was out because you've got to keep up the achievements God's God's note of success is what are we like on the inside I tell my wife I tell my girls that they're beautiful I do that often first thing in the morning when they might say they don't look it. Because it's just, that's just not what it's about, is it? I love my girls' hearts. I love it. Do you know, um, one night we'd started to watch a film together. Yeah, and we'd snuggled up with me. I can't even recall what it was. And then it was time for bedtime. In the morning, I get up really early, and I'm in the kitchen um, and I'm doing various things, and then the, they, they come down a bit later on, yeah, and they go in, in the lounge, and they've got various things, they potter, they watch a bit of TV, and all of a sudden, and, and they're, in, they're in the lounge, and I'm in the kitchen, and it's very separate, it's just the way it's worked. But one morning, Chloe came around and said, Daddy, we're going to put that film on that we started to watch last night. Do you want to come and watch it as well? I was, oh my goodness, I love my girl's hearts. It's beautiful. But the world would say you have to look a certain way. It's got it wrong. How do you work your standards? It's often said that you want to know where someone is with God. Look at their diary and look at their bank account. Time, attention, and money. You want to know where people are with God? Look at their diary. Look at their bank account. Stop. Don't switch off. Don't ignore this. Don't find ways to simply start off by saying, this isn't me. I've worked for this. Don't find ways to justify every little thing that you do, every little money, bit of money that you've spent. Because when we seek to justify it first, we diminish the ground from which we need to cry out to God. 
and say, Lord, I may need your help. The enemy is out there. He's relentless. I haven't looked into it deeply, but I don't believe he gets tired. He's been going for thousands of years. His days are up. His days are numbered, but he is still out there, and it is relentless. Went around to see my aunt yesterday, and she pulled out some old photos. Actually, there weren't that many of me when I was really young. But she got one out of my mom and dad, and she said, oh gosh, it it looks like they were courting there, I think. And Claire took it, and even as I could see it, she says, oh my goodness. And I'm sure my brother as well, but isn't Ben a good example? I can see his dad. Oh my goodness, I can see his dad. But if you look again, I can see his mum. Actually, I, I, I can't help it, okay? I simply look like my dad, and I simply look like my mum. I do. There's nothing I can do about it, and you know what? It's great. And actually, if you be around my mum, you start to see some of my mannerisms, yeah, and my way of doing stuff. When she came not so long ago, people said, oh my goodness, it's you, it's the way you do things. And I love my mum's big smile. And then actually we can talk about, because often we're trying to improve, we talk about the stuff that our parents did that weren't so great. And now actually... It's in there as well. And then I start to see it in my kids. There's stuff that I think, oh, wow, that's my son. And then I go, oh, my goodness, that's my son. <laughs> what am I trying to say? I can't help it, yeah, because my mum brought me up. She taught me things. Some of this stuff in the world, we've been bombarded by it. It's got to find its way in some way. Don't start with, it simply doesn't. Ask ourselves, how is the world that is bombarding me? And especially when church and religious practices are taking a shift from the central answer that it used to have in our lives, in society's lives. Don't simply start this in me. Find time to seek God over this. What can often happen, though, when we talk about loving not the world is we go to one of two extremes. Number one, we withdraw from the world into modern-day monasteries. We batten down the hatches and live inside of a holy bubble, having a great time waiting until the Lord comes back. Did I put the scriptures up? No, we'll go back one. So, 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 10, don't turn there. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers or greedy, or cheats, or worship idols. You would have to leave the world to avoid people like that. God isn't saying this, don't be like the world, to withdraw from it, to hide behind these holy walls, to enjoy the life of Christ, but without being effective in a world that needs us. He's not telling us that. Where would we go? The other response to this is we often embrace the world until you can't tell of any differences. We often embrace the culture. We often get headline in, probably out of good intentions. But very quickly we find that we just look exactly the same. Ephesians 4, 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walked in the futility of their mind. We're called to walk differently. And both of those are an error. We cannot hide from the world, enjoying our freedom, enjoying 
Christ, having wonderful parties in the Spirit, nor can we be in the world to look just like it. God has called us to be the antidote, the salt, that's the flavour, of him in a society that desperately needs him. And we're to, but we're not to love the world system out there. We're not to be like that. Let's look at this next part. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let's just go back one. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This, this is important stuff. Actually, if we have a love for the world, if we are loving the world system and the world's way of doing things, actually God says, your love cannot be in me. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. Be open to the fact that with the utter bombardment we have in this life, some of these things may well have crept into our way of thinking and living our lives. The stakes are too high not to, not to look for it, not to just seek God. What 1 Corinthians 15 says, Examine yourself to see if you're still in the kingdom. When was the last time we did that, Lord? What? What lies have I believed is some of the phrases that we use. What, what, what things have I allowed myself to pick up that are just not of you? 1 John 2.16 says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Scholars go back to Eve and bring some parallels with this scripture to what she did in the garden. Eve took the forbidden fruit because she saw it was good for food, how good the food would taste and how it would satisfy her, the lust of, of the flesh. Eve took the forbidden fruit because she saw that the fruit was pleasant to the eyes, how pretty and desirable it was, the lust of the eyes. Eve took of the forbidden fruit because she believed it was desirable to make her wise, the pride of life. To love the world. I mean, that, that. Eve at least considered it. Adam simply saw it and ate as well. And we are all paying the price for that. Actually, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life issued sin into the world that we're all paying for. A love of the world causes us to walk in sin. It causes us to walk in that way. And we're to push back. This isn't how it's to be in the kingdom of God. Remember the lion. He's looking for us. He's looking for us. He's looking for us. Lord, where am I letting things in, Lord? Where might I be letting things in? Think, oh gosh, Ben, isn't it going to get better at some point? I don't know. Be sober. Wake up. Matthew 24, 36 and 39 says this, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in ma 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 marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Yes, this is about the second coming of Christ. However, the point is they didn't know. 
They went around their normal lives. They didn't know what was on the cars. They didn't know what was coming. Even when it started to rain, as Noah went into the ark, don't forget it had never rained on the earth before. I mean, wouldn't you think, hang on, hello? (laughs) Hello? They were so caught up in their way of living, marrying and giving in marriage. That's a sign of normal life. Don't take it that marriage is wrong. They were doing what they'd always done, and they didn't recognize what was about to happen. 1 Chronicles 12, 32 says this, And the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. God is calling us as sons and daughters of him to have an understanding of the times and therefore how to live. Therefore how to be. Not to just be going along as though everything's okay. Because actually that's what the enemy wants. If he can make you feel happy to divert you from Christ, then so be it. We're called to be different. We're called to live differently. We say it so often that there's a danger that it's lost its power. We need to be in the world and not heart of it. And to do that, we need to develop spiritual muscle. We need to develop spiritual muscle. I've joined a gym. I rejoined the gym. I stopped going to uh, many years ago. And I've been, I've been four times in two weeks. I don't know if that's good. And I see a couple of you up there. Oh, no. (laughs) You know, and I'm on the treadmill, and I'm on the steppy thingy, and I'm on all sorts of things. And that's great, isn't it? And I've started to do things. I'm building up muscle. I'm building up muscle. And running is becoming easier. I do 20 minutes on the treadmill, and slowly more of that is a run. Won't give you a percentage yet. More of that is a run. The trouble is there's things I need to stop doing. Claire keeps baking. We had so many bananas from the community lunch thing that we had a banana loaf, and oh my goodness, it tasted great. And then we had some friends around for the... Well, we had some family around for the football match, and she's baking cookies, and that was great as well. And it's like there's no point going to the gym unless I also stop actually eating the food. And when I develop spiritual muscle, it's things we start to do, but there's things that we stop. And actually the two is going to make me look trimmer before Christmas and it all goes wrong again. <laughs> do you get it though? We need to develop spiritual muscle because actually the enemy doesn't stop. And I know we want to hear that Christ has done it all. Yes, we need to step into it. That Christ has given us all the tools. Yes, he has, and we need to use it. But if we don't use the gym, then it isn't going to shift. God has given us these things. And you know, at first, it feels like hard work. At first, it just feels like, man, I, I shouldn't have to try this hard. The excuses that we use is it feels like works. I'm really having, because the minute I stop thinking that the enemy's out there, the minute I'm not judging what I watch and what I live and where I spend and where I go, where I give my time, it just feels like hard work. This can't be right. God isn't, God isn't talking about maybe this desire, maybe what I desire isn't wrong, is another excuse we use to stop building spiritual... Bill, he's my imaginary friend. Bill, 
does it. And have you seen how God uses him? It's not a problem for Bill. We then say no one else is bothered about his stuff. Yeah, because it is difficult to hear. And I do want to just only hear about the new heaven and the new earth. No more pain, no more tears. I like that. It makes me feel good. But as we've been hearing all day, all morning, there's a cost to get there. There's a cost to get there that we don't want to pay. Oh, I'm confused, Ben. Didn't Jesus pay it? Yes, he did. And he says, come now, give me your life. And I need to build spiritual muscle in giving my life and keeping it there. Develop spiritual muscle like Daniel. We've not got time. It's a whole other sermon to look at actually how Daniel lived in his culture, but, but, but actually affected it, the book of Daniel. Okay? So, we can, he, he was in a terrible, evil culture, and yet he impacted this. We can do it. We can live in a world and not be actually conformed to it, but actually change it around us. Daniel was taken away from his home. He was given a new name of a foreign god. He was castrated. He had him cut off. (laughs) Yeah, this is what Daniel did. I mean, my goodness. He's been taken away. He's been changed. He's been given a name of a god. Every time they called him, he was reminded of a foreign god. He was made a team leader of the witches and the warlocks. What, what interests me is that didn't seem to bother him, but he would not define himself by eating a sausage roll. That's the thing he says, I'm not doing that. Because actually at that time there were laws about what you can and couldn't eat. And this was a test of Daniel's loyalty. You know what, you don't know you're loyal until you have an opportunity not to be. I want to be loyal. I want to be committed. But until I have an option to go a different way, I don't really know. And again, in this world where whatever feels good and feels right we go with, loyalty isn't there. The premiership will teach you that. There's no loyalty there. In fact, even now in business, yeah, if you want to get on well, then don't stay there long. And if you want to get a decent salary increase, you move every couple of years because it's all about experience and new blood, new flesh, not actually the investment in people. They're literally now, it was on the news the uh, the other day, actually they go out there for new blood and they'll offer 15, 20% more than the people who've been there three or four years. Loyalty isn't something to be sought after. What does God's kingdom say? Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel knew um, that the writing was signed, this was actually when he was being challenged to actually bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar signed a decree that anybody that would not bow down, yeah, would be thrown into the lion's den. They were trying to get him, the other witches and warlocks, this incredible man who would not bow down to sin or to shame. We sung it. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom. How do you build spiritual muscle? Please, I'm going to give you the most important bit of information. This will open up 
some new stuff to you, and you may never have heard it before. Are you ready? Number one, read your Bible. I, I speak to people. Hey, I speak to some of you. And actually, when we drill down into stuff, actually, some of the people I speak to, we're not reading our Bible. We're listening to the latest book, which is somebody else's opinion of God. We're listening to the latest podcast, which is somebody else's opinion of God. And actually, when I'm, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm thinking, gosh, where is your daily reading of God's Word? <laughs> you know? And actually, I need a book. I've got the apps, but I need a relationship with paper. I just do. And actually, you want to develop spiritual muscle? Sit down in a room by yourself. Turn the noise off and open the Word of God. There's no condemnation. There's just encouragement. This is incredible. We here believe that this is the ultimate authority of God. We will preach from it faithfully as we possibly can. Every word, no matter how difficult and no matter how wonderful it is to hear. Number two. So, number one of this new revelation, read your Bible. Number two, pray. Not your shopping list of stuff, but have a healthy prayer life towards God. Talk to him, have a relationship with him with words and with prayer. Talk to him of his mighty deeds. Talk to him when you're feeling low, but just, not just your stuff that you want to bring for him to do. He loves it. Do you know what? My girls tried on a new dress and Claire said, Claire said do you know what? They run to find daddy. Because they want to say, daddy, look at my dress. Because they know, says, you look beautiful. Oh, you look beautiful. Can I have a kiss? Will you marry me? I say, and they smile and love. You're already married. Well, okay, will you stay with me forever? And then I have to think, oh, I'm getting manipulative now. <laughs> God loves it when we just say, Lord, I love you. Oh, Father, I just love you so much. You know that song we sung this morning? Oh, man, it just, Lord, it just made me want to punch the air. Father, God, it was so great. Lord, and I was reading in your word this morning. Do you realize your word? Oh, of course you do. Your God, it's your word. He loves that. And it develops spiritual muscle. Next. Okay, so this new revelation. One, read your Bible. Are you taking notes? Two, pray. Three, praise. Praise and worship releases something on a spiritual level. Do you know, a couple of months ago, I watched the, um, the BBC, whatever the show is in the morning, Breakfast, yeah, and they were talking, they've done some incredible research. Now, and part of therapy, especially from depression and things of the mind, is to teach people to sing songs and get involved in music. Oh my word, it's like they've read the Bible. Let me ask you a question. Who gave you a song? Who gave you the song? It's Jesus. And when we worship, and when we absolutely put all of our stuff to one side and worship God, it develops something so deep within us. It's spiritual muscle. Read the Bible. Pray and praise. Be around Christians for support and fellowship. Fellowship and then support. Talk about how we become more like him. I can't wait to get together with a few of my friends from um, all around the West Midlands because we come and we catch up and we have food, but it doesn't take us long to start thinking about, the, to start talking about the things of God.
It's like just wrestling with the things we're challenged by that we find difficult and we sharpen each other and sometimes we disagree but it's all good fun. And we just talk about those things and we encourage and then we pray. Get around other Christians. Sharpen each other. It develops spiritual muscle. And you know what? Then we sing and we step into we are more than conquerors. We will not bow to sin or to shame because not only have I understood it, I've believed it, I've walked in it in developing the spiritual muscle. And now I'm in the world, but not of it. And I start infecting, and I start transforming it around me. Yes, it can be difficult. Yes, it can be hard. But slowly but surely, actually, I'm running more on the treadmill than I'm walking. And it isn't a problem. But then, then you see, because it's ongoing, I've got to change the 20 minutes to 25. And that's the challenge for some of you. We can so easily get comfortable with where we're at. We really don't like change unless we're instigating it because then we know what the change is going to be and we can control and manage it. But we don't like change. Being, being part of the Christian is the walk, the journey, the race. And actually, wherever it is, in your small groups, in your home groups, don't stand still. It will be uncomfortable. When I can run for 20 minutes on the treadmill, it's time for a change. It's like you get that pedometer and the, the, the magic 10,000 steps. But if before I got the pedometer, I was doing 9,998, then 10,000 isn't that much of a big deal. 10,000 isn't the magic number for me. It's 20,000, 25,000, and we go on and we go on. If we do not cultivate this spiritual muscle, read the Bible, pray, praise, be around Christians, then I think we need to be aware of this. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. He's talking about the church here. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of many boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, ungodly, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of, of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Listen to this. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Doing all the stuff, remembering the war on Remembrance Sunday, celebrating Jesus' birth at Christmas, but lacking the power but lacking the power. As we come to a close, what's my aim here? For us to realize there is a relenting enemy out there who is seeking to bring you down to his level, but by whatever underhanding trick he can muster. He doesn't stop. It says in Revelations that he stands before God every day and, and, and accuses the saints. Do you see what they're doing? Do you see what they're doing? Job tells us that he's here on earth walking around. That's the book of Job. Job tells us that he's here on earth walking around, seeing who can, he, can, he, he can devour. What is my aim here? That he uses the world system to bombard us with his agenda, which is to keep us away from God and move us towards a sinful life. My aim here today is for you to take some honest time to ask God where we might be letting the world's way of thinking to creep in and how, how I live my life more for you. 
What are some application stuff here? Will, oh, there's a full stop there. Will you give some thought to this teaching? There's a couple of full stops. Will you honestly and openly seek the Lord and ask him, where have I allowed the world to take hold of my life? And will you seek to change? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we are in a battle. Father, and we walk in your victory, Lord, knowing you have won. But we need to take hold of your weapons, of your tools, of your, of your truth, and we need to walk in it. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would examine our lives. Lord, we would see what, what may have been allowed to creep in and cast it out. Lord, I pray that we would all, with all seriousness, develop and grow spiritual muscle where we can not only sing we are more than conquerors, we can talk and testify of that as an experience in our lives. Lord, let us never forget that the battle goes on until my dying breath or your return. Father, we eagerly await for you to come back. And in the meantime, we will fight. In the name of Jesus. Amen.